0: The free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on-demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision.
1: But on a Thursday, we do like to check in with the Family Voice Australia State Director for Queensland, Andrew McColl. He's been exploring issues around family and welfare with encouragement that says, get ready to be a little different. Andrew, a special welcome back to 2020. Nice talking to you again, Neil. Hey, Andrew, let me start off with something a little bit more personal for you. Uh, What does a family picnic have to do with understanding government welfare?
0: Well, we found this out... (laughs) Actually recently, now because we went off on, on Saturday the 20th of May. Three generations of our family went off in a car to meet up with some other family members up at Woodford, which is north of Brisbane, and where we watched our 13-year-old granddaughter in her first season playing rugby league. Later, we went over to Bribie Island for a picnic. This day proved to be quite a task. All the planning we had to do, all the time required to pack the car, all the things we thought we'd need, like a stroller for a five-month-old little girl, three folding chairs, a blanket, and the things we'd need. Getting ready to leave home proved to be quite a task. (laughs) And I asked myself the question midway through all this, would we have wanted a government department involved in this?
1: (laughs) Some might be thinking that's not a bad idea right now. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, well, we
0: came to the conclusion pretty quickly. I don't think so because it, it wasn't anything to do with, with the government at all. It was a family matter. It took a little bit of organising and getting ready for and, 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 and preparing for. And so what I'm kind of leading to in this and, and leading into is that with, with what we have in Australia today... Why, why do we expect governments to look after our families' education and our health and our welfare? Uh, after that morning when we'd stopped and started and stopped and started and done this and done that and finally got organised, we realised when you delegate tasks to other people how complicated that can get. And particularly when they are people who don't know you personally who don't really have any involvement in your family and probably don't care that much. Do we think this might work out in anything other than an economic and a practical disaster? And these disasters have happened before, and unfortunately, Neil, they will keep on happening when responsibilities
1: are removed from families and assumed by governments. Now, I know we're about to dive into some deeper issues and historic connections Uh, where we might learn some lessons. Uh, These are challenging, and uh, there's no doubt listeners who've been very very, uh, thankful for uh, those uh, government welfare safety nets that are in place, and uh, we'd be thankful for those that in a, a wealthy country... There's a way that governments are able to care for those who are vulnerable and who are in need. But when we talk about some of these things, uh, I know we're about to dive into the deep end right now, Andrew. But um, but you're saying the regular family needs to have in its mind some level of preparation for a future where you don't rely on the government for a handout around health, education or welfare. So let's dive into uh, the deep issues around this. Historically, uh, what can you see as an example of, of things that went bad?
0: Well, what we can do is look at some nations historically, as you're saying, Neil, like, say, Germany, Now, I know Germany was a totalitarian country under the Nazis, and that seems very far removed from us today, yet it is not that far removed as we might think. It was a socialist country, a totalitarian socialist country in 1941, of course, under Hitler, and by then, the Nazis had assumed responsibility for health, so what that meant was, and what's important to note in in talking about that, is that where responsibility rests, authority lies. Now, the Nazis were by then determined to gas to death disabled people, babies, older children, and adults, and that evil plan came to the notice of the Catholic Bishop of Munster, Clemens von Galen. In a pastoral letter read out in many churches in August 1941, he declared, amongst other things, we are dealing with human beings, our brothers and sisters, with poor people, sick people, if you like, unproductive people. But have they for that reason forfeited the right to life? Woe to mankind, woe to our German nation, if God's holy commandment, thou shalt not kill, which God proclaimed on Mount Sinai amidst thunder and lightning, which God our creator inscribed in the conscience of mankind from the very beginning is not only broken, but if, there's, if this transgression is actually tolerated and permitted to go unpunished. What was the consequence of this? Uh, I'll, I'll just go on to finish this quickly, Neil. The sermon sent a shockwave through the Nazi leadership all the way up to Hitler. And for fear of a national reaction, Hitler suspended the gassing plan, which had already accounted for nearly 100,000 deaths.
1: So at that time, the Holocaust was underway and a letter from the bishop actually caused that plan to be suspended for a while because, as the bishop he spoke up. He did. He spoke up
0: very plainly. He spoke up very forcibly. And the most important part about how he spoke up, Neil, is that he spoke up biblically, quoting from the Ten Commandments, quoting from what had happened in Bible times on Sinai, and and it, it shook the nation. It certainly shook the Nazis. And... I might add that Hitler later said, I am quite sure that a man like Bishop von Galen knows that after the war, I shall exact retribution down to the last farthing. And if he does not succeed in getting himself transferred in the meanwhile to the Collegium Germanicum in Rome, he may be assured that in the balancing of the accounts, no T will remain uncrossed, and no I undotted.
1: So there's something uh, of the heart of the dictator who expects everyone to bow the knee, and so when the church leader speaks up, uh, even uh, that's obviously recorded in some historic documentation uh, of his uh, expectation that there'd be retribution down to the last farthing. He was going to hold the church accountable for standing against uh, what... Uh, he, as uh, the Führer, was uh, planning for the Je- for the Jewish people. So, uh, how does the analysis of all this uh, look uh, from various ones who've who've looked at these sorts of thoughts and looked at these reactions?
0: Well, there was a a. Uh a scholar by the name of Helen Fein, F-E-I-N, who analysed what happened in 22 states or regions occupied by or allied to Nazi Germany. She wrote that church resistance was the most important single factor in blocking official state collaboration with Nazi Holocaust policies. The majority of Jews evaded deportation in every state occupied by or allied with Germany in which the head of the dominant church spoke out publicly against deportation before or as soon as it began. The lesson is that civilized society rests upon civic discipline and humane responsibility. Civilization depends heavily on the conduct and the leadership of its
1: elites. Um, Well, we might hope that our national church leaders... Uh, have their ways of speaking into government policy around all of these issues as they are developing now uh, from our Australian context. Because as you say, uh, while this is a little bit far removed, talking about Nazi Germany, some of the similar sorts of things in the development of the way that the Nazis conducted themselves and the atrocities of that time uh, could easily uh, creep into societies anywhere around the world. So uh, it's church leaders who speak up, but also it's Christian believers who are not going to be quiet when it comes to these things. Uh, What do you say to ordinary individuals who have an opportunity to speak?
0: Well, these are the things that challenge us, and they challenge us to our core because we understand how much our community uh, depends ultimately on what we say and what we do. Now, I happen to know of a a very delightful Seventh-day Adventist lady. She's a mother and a grandmother by the name of Barbara O'Neill. Barbara's a nurse, and she's been a public speaker on matters of health, including diet and exercise. For many years, I've heard her speak. In 2018, she was called before the New South Wales Health Care Complaints Commission, or the HCCC, The three individuals who logged complaints against her had never met her or heard her speak, and she was not found guilty of anything, but she was banned for life from speaking on health publicly in Australia. Why? I don't know. She later said, I cried because of the injustice. And so coming back to what we're talking about, Neil, what does this teach us? Well, it teaches us that when the lights are turned out, the world is flooded in darkness. But when believers speak up, utilising and informed by their Christian conscience, it immediately leads to hope and improvement, and not just for the church, but for everyone. That's why it's essential that Christians speak up always to preserve justice and righteousness in the community, leading to blessing for all around
1: and isn't it a challenging time right now when it appears to be and we're hearing stories of uh, Christian submissions uh, to various uh, commissions uh, being lumped all together and being disregarded. And and so when you talk about this particular lady, uh, this woman who was called before uh, that particular committee being banned for life from speaking on health publicly in Australia, uh, we might hope that there are Christian believers who are not banned publicly, but I guess if, if you don't speak up, that is one of the risks you take.
0: Well, this is the thing. I mean, I mean, there are penalties sometimes for speaking up and you, you, you don't always win friends from those who hate you, but you may win great support from those around, particularly those weak and vulnerable people who need help who need protection. And of course we have 80,000 babies a year or 80 or 90,000 babies a year in Australia whose lives are taken from them simply because we have a Department of Health that permits the death of babies in the womb. This is why it's a very frightening thing that as I said earlier, where responsibility rests, authority lies. We can say nearly as I as I sort of get work towards rounding this up this morning, is that in conclusion that the responsible, healthy and active Christian individual or family and church are critical for our future. Because Jesus told us that you are the light of the world. But if the voices that are, are, are not being heard and the light's not shining, national and indeed world darkness will be the outcome. But basic... Outspoken, moral Christian leadership is essential everywhere. And if we're unsure about our capacity to affect that, we should look at his promise, which tells us that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen for his inheritance. That's in Psalm 33, verse 12. So in Australia today, Neil, there is much work for us to do, all the way up to government. As that as that uh, as a bishop in in Germany discovered, he could be surprisingly effective in that nation, even under a totalitarian dictatorship and
1: Andrew, I imagine <clears throat> that when we are uh, ordinary citizens, uh, we might think well isn 't it just off the cuff remarks that somehow make a difference, but my suspicion is that the remarks that make a difference are those considered. And intentional outspoken remarks, uh, those ones that have put thought into what they need to say, those ones that will take advantage of the opportunity to respond uh, when there are surveys and commissions that are calling for submissions. Uh, These are the sorts of things I imagine that there needs to be a lot more work in from people in ordinary communities all around Australia.
0: Well, that is true, and all of those those submissions to to government department and to ministers are vital, so that they actually hear from Christians. I had the privilege last week of going and seeing a shadow minister in the Queensland government, and because I wanted to bring some things to her attention, fortunately she was aware of them. Fortunately, she knows what is is what I was looking at, and fortunately she was very supportive. Of what I was encouraging her in it and, and really uh, suggested that she will be very keen on, on changing the policy of that particular department if um, and maybe when she gets into parliament in Queensland, which could be in October next year. Or, or, or this gets into government, I should say, uh, it, it next year which, because we have, a, we have a, a state election in Queensland, of course, in October. So, but, so it's all of those things, that those careful, well-written submissions, and it's just being willing to talk to people openly about what are the implications of the gospel. If the Bible says, you shall not kill, that means implicitly that children in the womb are to be protected from harm. I mean, that is such a fundamental basic thing, but it, it's, it's a part of what we believe in. So... We shouldn't be afraid to talk publicly, bravely, openly uh, concerning those matters that we know are uh, straight from Scripture. This is what the Bible teaches us. And, and yes, we'll get scorned on occasions and people laugh and what is what are, say, contemptuous things of us. They can do that in a free country if they wish to. But there'll be people who hear who go away and say, i never even heard of that before. Isn't that something that we should be doing in our community? Aren't we the people who ought to be talking to government and people like bureaucrats and so on so that good policy is brought about in our nation again?
1: Well, Andrew, there's no lack of causes right now that you might get passionate about, and whether it is around welfare or education or health Uh, Lots of things to be passionate about. Uh, For listeners to connect with Andrew McColl, let me give you the website for Family Voice Australia, familyvoice.org.au. Andrew McColl is the State Director for Family Voice in the state of Queensland. He's also the author of a number of books, one called They Shall Become One, The Significance of the Godly Family, Inherit the Earth, and The Great Christian Revolution, a series of studies dealing with some of the applications of a Christian worldview. Andrew McColl, always good getting your insights. Thanks so much for joining us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's always great talking to you.
0: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.